Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast along with J.J. Cooper. I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for downloading us at BaseballAmerica.com or on iTunes. We want to remind you that Baseball America has a new digital edition. It's been out since, what, about September? Yeah. And uh, cool. it's, yeah, absolutely. And it's a uh, you know you can and we also have a mobile site coming out soon. Better uh, late than never. Today. Better late than never. Is that when it launched today? Soft release today. Yeah. <laughs> On Friday, uh, March eighteenth. Don't everyone go out and uh, download it at once or, or visit it at once? But. Basically, I our on my phone today, though. our RSS and, feed available on the uh, well and, and formatted for your phone. The the big thing being, you know, if you got an iPhone, you got a, a Droid like I do, you still can go to the regular site because your phone can handle it. But for the BlackBerry user out there, who, yeah. which have obviously a lot of people in the game, absolutely are BlackBerry users, type displays much better than it used to on a BlackBerry. So very key for that. You no, know, we're excited about that. And the uh, the digital edition is basically just the magazine. Not in a PDF, but in a PDF-like form. It basically downloads, and you flip through the magazine and pages on your computer screen as if you had it in front of you. And the other key thing with that is is that is even if you are a uh, a, a print subscriber, we fin- we put it to bed, and boom, you get it. Yeah, so. basically the next day. It's $1.76 per issue. So you can go to BaseballAmerica.com and subscribe to the digital edition. Um, I believe it, uh, you know, I think it works on your laptop computer it works on certain tablets i'm not sure about all tablets yeah, i don't I think, think it works with the ipad uh, i think certain, i think it works with everybody else's yeah, uh, tablets but certain uh i'll, I'll avoid it. Uh, certain tablets yes that's right i think it works for some tablet computer but not for others um but we encourage you to try baseball america in all of its forms because you're trying it in this form we haven't gotten in pod form either yet so uh, to use the 20 year old census joke um but jj one of the, one of our longest running features at Baseball America, one of our tougher features as our top 20 rookies, because our Major League preview issue is pegged to come out uh, in early March, and that's when our top 20 rookies comes out, and that's before any spring training games have even been played. So yes. it's always one of the more challenging uh, you know, features for us to put together. It's also one of the ones that uh, you know we have a more hit-or-miss track record on. Pretty happy the way last year's turned out. We had Jason Hayward number yep. one to start. Uh, he edged out Buster Posey for our award last year. If Buster Posey had been our award winner, I don't think anyone on our staff would have been upset about it. Uh, they bookended our list last year. We had Posey at 20 last year because we didn't know that he'd, uh, you know, the signals the Giants were sending out were that they were not going to play him. And that's really the challenge of doing it when we do it uh, because opportunity and talent are very – the talent's easier for us to assess. Opportunity is much more difficult. Right. Most of the rankings we do, we're ranking – we're projecting. We're talking about okay. So how? Where do you see this guy being down the road? But at the same time, it's a long-term view. Or we're looking back at okay, how did someone so do this past year? Those two things. Those are much easier to project than when you're saying okay. When we're ranking the top twenty, you don't necessarily know that this guy's the most. You're not saying this guy's more talented than this guy. Right. What right. you're saying is is this guy's combination of talent, major league readiness, and opportunity are better than this other guy's. Not which, opportunities, 
I mean, and the thing is, like, it's a sliding scale for which is the, which is more important, uh, opportunity versus talent. And when you have the convergence of the two, that's when you get guys who come out near the top of our list, right. like Jason, Jason Hayward, Hayward did last Jason year. Jason Hayward was an easy one last year because or Hellickson. Had... And Jeremy Hellickson was an easy top three choice this year because when they traded Matt Garza. That opened up an easy spot for our 2010 minor league player of the year. And they made it clear. Jeremy Hellickson's going to be a starter for us. Same thing, number two, Freddie Freeman. Uh, Hellickson's number one on our list. Freeman's number two. Same thing with Freeman. With Freeman, you know, Freddie Freeman, they've essentially said, he's going to be our first baseman. It really didn't bring in much competition. I was afraid Eric that – I was afraid that, the uh, backup. I was afraid Julio Franco was going to show up one day and <laughs> give Freddie. Eighty-eight-year-old Julio Franco. <laughs> but you know, if he just lowered the bat a little bit, you know, maybe he'd still be quick enough to get around the ball. But uh, that former bull Julio Franco is one of my favorite things. Is whenever he'd uh, do something in the major leagues, the the previous Bulls uh, uh, radio guy used to talk about him as a former bull. It's like, yeah, I don't think he was. Uh, when, you, when you're on the way down yeah. as a former as a Durham bull, I don't think it counts as much as on the way up. So we have uh, that, that. You know that should actually be a different podcast. JJ is uh, going through. I'm on a complete tangent, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Going through and proofing our minor league chart. One of my favorite pages of the year. We have the chart with every team's affiliates and all their coaches on it, mm-hmm. and it's just a wonderful trip down memory lane. It's like ah, here's a 1997 draft all over these minor league coaching charts because they're all uh, it's all these ex players cool. getting there who, who are trying out. Coaching in the minors, basically. And the other thing with that is, is it's always like, I don't know about you, but always like, man, I'm getting old. Yeah, exactly. Because George Lombard like, is what I, was, what I was thinking of. George Lombard's coaching this year, I believe, in the Gulf Coast. I, league, I, so. I saw George Lombard. I was there covering George Lombard's first full season, um, seeing Ray Goff in the stands and nice. John Scherholtz the next day. Like, we're getting Jonathan Scherholtz managing in the I'm minor leagues. I'm not surprised about that at all. Let's not get J.J. started on that one. Um, but uh, we talked a little bit about the Braves. Like you said, uh, Freddie Freeman was our number two pick this year. Uh, J.J., I do think it's not a surprise that we have three Braves in our top ten, Freeman, Minor, Craig Kimbrell, among our rookies. And then we had a little side section that we did uh, accelerated timetables where we thought about putting a Brave and we thought about putting Julio Tehran there. We wound up not putting him there. Then we put Eric Cordier in the long road. We didn't even we mentioned Brandon Beachy, but didn't list him out separately. I mean, I think we know the Braves have a great farm system, the number three farm system, but they, they seem like they are the most willing franchise to put rookies in the midst of a team in a contender. They've been doing it for 20 years with Bobby Cox. Bobby Cox seemed like he, he liked his old guys. But the right rookie, he was not going to shy away from, and especially since 05 when they broke in all those guys, Frank Corr, McCann, those Which, guys, they've not been shy about it. And the it. interesting thing about this is that 05 team, that was really the high-water mark for many of those rookies that year. Yeah, except for McCann, it was. McCann really is only one who you turned Real staying back, power. Who's stuck around. Um, but at the same time, that 05, the rookies worked out in 05. It, it's not like they made a bad call by bringing the guys up because they actually kind of – Yeah, that was the last year they won the division – uh, you know, last year was a wild card. So that, was, so that 2005 team was, uh, I think, it's one the Braves remember probably as fondly as any team. Uh, well, last time they won 90 games before last year. And, and the other thing with the, with the Braves, though, is that what they've managed to do is what good teams hope to do, which is you don't ask these rookies when they come in. Jason Hayward last year, as good as he was and as good as he ended up being, they didn't plan at the start of the season for him to say, okay, you're, you're going to have to bat three-hole right, and right. carry this team. It was, we'll work you in, and it just happened that with injuries and everything, before long you went, wow, Jason Hayward's got to carry this team. 
Um, 2005, by the way, was the last year that Julio Franco was a regular. For Atlanta, wow. So. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I just, I'm on a Julio Franco kick today. Who but, knew? But you look at it this year, Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman's going to be their first baseman. And he's going to hit seventh. And he's going to hit seventh. Yeah. They're, they're Probably easing, eighth against left-handers. They're easing him in. They're not asking him to be a star. They're, they're bringing him up. They expect him to be a cornerstone guy for them for years to come, but they're working it in in a way where there's not a whole lot of pressure on him. Mike mm-hmm. Miner. Mike Miner got a, a, a cup of coffee last year to yep. kind of, here's the big leagues, now you know what it's like. And now this year, I'm expecting, considering how well he's pitched in the, in the spring training, yeah, he's that, he, that he's going to be the fifth starter. And then, you know, even with Tommy Hansen two years ago, who was really more ready – for the big leagues, then Mike Miner was. They started him in AAA. Right. They brought him up, I think, what end of April, early May, and you know, eased him into it. And I think this year, uh, the way he's throwing in spring training, Tommy Hansen looks like he's ready to with the experience I, he's I, had to really be. I think he's going to be a number one starter, like a true elite starter. Uh, I do love the how the the dynamics and how the the politics of of baseball go with veterans. Though Tommy Hansen, not your opening day starter, right? Right. Because you know that. He, he's he's too young to be the. Uh, well, I mean, Tim Hudson was pretty good last year too. He's pretty. Tim fair. Hudson, not your opening. But who, who is it? Uh, Derek Lowe. Oh no, it's not Derek show. Lowe. I was afraid you were going to say Derek Lowe. I think I just saw that. Yeah. Uh, I respect Derek Lowe, but, but uh, probably more he's than not most. the number one on that team. But he's not. He he might be the number four on that team if Jar Jurgens is back to his, his two years ago form. But which of those Braves, uh, you know, start? Do you, uh, we talked about how how well Miner, how good well Miner has pitched this spring. Do you think that the Beachies or Courtiers or even Julio Tehran or Arotis Vizcaino, who's been a kind of a sensation this spring hitting 101 on some uh, some uh, radar guns, um, do, do you see that those guys having a chance of contributing this year? Could this be like a 05 redux for the Braves? I, I, if it is, it means they have a lot of injuries. Right. Because they have, you just talked about it, you just, we just ran through it. That starting rotation, Tommy Hansen's going to start every fifth day unless he's hurt. I yeah. think we all agree. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, Derek Lowe. Yeah, Hanson, Hudson, Lowe, and Jurgens is a very good four. That Those front four are going to start every fifth day, you would expect. and then It's not, it's not Philadelphia's four, but, but i, I got to be honest. I think the Braves almost uh, – I almost expect the Braves to win that division more than the Phillies right now, the way the Phillies' spring has gone with Utley's injury with his, with his knee. You know, their offense sputtered some last year. Dominic Brown's injury. Now, Dominic Brown goes back to our rookie level list. He was number four he on the list. was number four on the list. and uh, That you know, was before the injury. And, and that was a big part. Uh, that's a big – if we redid that la- that list. He would be way, way down it He would be a lot further down, no doubt. I so. mean, because especially when you hear the word Hammett, you, you don't want to write the season off, but you come close to. Yeah, if he doesn't hit for power this year, you just kind of chalk it up to that injury. I, and I did a story on that in 2004 about uh, wrist injuries with hitters and how it takes a year for the snap to come back basically to your swing and have confidence to just really cut it loose uh, as a hitter. A lot of hitters have had that issue. So, yeah, for me, uh, Dominic Brown wouldn't be anywhere near four right now on that uh, on that list. Uh, but at the time, he was a guy who seemed like he was marrying talent with – opportunity but the way that team is lined up it's so left-handed they trust ben francisco uh they think they've got a fourth outfielder in place to replace francisco so uh, I, I almost think i like atlanta better than philadelphia right now to be honest with you jj i mean obviously the phillies star power is impressive but i think they're going to miss jason worth and well at uh, injury then brad lidge uh, here, scuffling a little bit this spring here, here i guess the the question i'd pose back to you is i i think that there's a chance 
you, you look at it that, that both of them could make the playoffs. And if that's the case, I do know that the Phillies are the team that I like come playoff time better. Right, but right. I, I do think the Braves should be able to make it interesting in the uh, – I probably say right now I think the Phillies are, are going to win that division, but I do think the Braves, not only because, as you said, they have the, – the lineup's going to be better this year just because if half the guys stay healthy, right. they're better than – The big one. problem there is that you're counting on the health of Chipper. As long as you not don't count that, on the health of Chipper. But not only that, but there are, there are a couple of things you're, you're, you're looking for that you're asking a lot. They don't – they did not make a move at center field. Right. They're you're, trusting you're asking, Nate McLouth and maybe Jordan Schaefer. You're asking a lot there because you, yeah. you for everything, you know, best shape of his life and all that in spring training, you'll we'll see. Two thousand eight Nate McLouth Strat card is not walking through that door, sadly enough for the Braves. Well they're calling him Pittsburgh McLouth, so I maybe see they, that. They, maybe I see they that. think he is. But uh but, but, and then they still have Alice Gonzalez at shortstop. I'm not so happy about that if I'm a Braves yeah. fan. And and Martin Prado is a very solid player, but you, you Considering his position versatility, left field probably would not be the first place I would think of. I don't think it's a huge problem, though, for that, as long as they, as long as they can stay healthy playing a new position. Because they have a second baseman who hits like a left fielder. Right, that is and true. And Dan Uggla. They have a left fielder who hits like a second baseman because he is a second baseman. Yeah, he is. And Martin Prado. And you know he's going to play third eventually anyway when Chipper gets hurt. So, But um, but the the uh, the question I was going to pose is, is, you know, we said Dominic Brown, if we were re-raking it now, w- would move down. I think two guys who maybe would move up if we were doing this again right now is number 11, Brandon Belt, number 15, Michael Pineda, because it does look like the opportunity may come a little sooner than we we thought. Because with Belt going into spring training, there was kind of the question, are they going to send him to the minors for a while or are they going to bring him up? And he's had a good enough spring that they keep talking more and more. Now, it still may not happen because – for one thing, and I think uh, Andy Bagler, our correspondent, wrote about this, that Aubrey Huff has not played left field in spring training yet, I do not believe. Unless I, it happened if he yesterday. Has, it hasn't been, if he has, it hasn't been he, much. He hadn't as at least of like yesterday or the day before. And Whatever the, their lineup was the other day had Travis Ishikawa in left field in the game I saw, and that is really unusual, and that to me really made – and Belt was playing first. And that really made me think that they're pretty serious about – about Brandon Belt getting to the big leagues. Because, I mean, Ishikawa would have to show versatility to stick on the roster. I thought Belt would be the guy who you'd want to evaluate in the outfield. But, but Well, the, the rough thing with that, though, is his Belt could be one of the best defensive first basemen in the in the National League pretty quickly. Yeah. And so then you have to balance yeah. that. Okay, so would you rather have a – at least, let's say, let's say a, a sixty defensive first baseman right now, as far as him. Right. Or would you rather have him be a forty-five to you left hope develops fielder, into yeah. a fifty left fielder? He's got some athletic, got more athleticism than most people give him credit for. Right. He certainly has the arm strength. For right. It. But, but that's the question. Do you would you rather have that, or would you rather have the the really the excellent defensive first? I really baseman? do see the Giants probably the thing with, for me with Belt is as good as the spring has been. I still see he only had 13 games in AAA last year. I still think the Giants are going to put was, him in AAA to start. And and last year, I mean, this is meteoric. Last year was yeah, his, his pro career. Pro year, no doubt. That's yeah. his, that is his pro career. And then, uh, you know, they have so many fringy kind of options in the outfield from Aaron Rowan on their bench to who, Pat Burrell. There is talk that he – Don't forget Mark DeRose. Yeah, they might uh, release Rowan, I guess, or try to trade him. It might be Luis Castillo in the next that's couple r- of days. That's right. Um, but they but they still have Burl. They still have Cody Ross. They still have Mark DeRosa. DeRosa was hurt last year. 
Um, Pablo Sandoval's in that mix at third base and first base with DeRosa, so he affects the, the, the uh, slim half down. The, half the man he used to that's be. That's right. Pablo half the pain who is in the be. best shape of at least the last two years. He's definitely uh, – that's easy to see he's in the best shape of his life, and it might actually matter. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Giants have enough other options. Pineda, meanwhile, I think he's the guy who we undervalued in our rankings because we didn't see a clear path. But now I read these stories, and I, I guess we we just must have added it up wrong. Because if I would really gone to that meeting and thought that his competition was Charlie Hager and Luke French, I would have thought that he would – I would have said, let's run that guy my, off our list. My favorite thing about Pineda is is when it came out recently, like, no, 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 he's not 6'5", 215. And we all knew he wasn't 215. Right. He's 6'7", yeah. 250. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, so not only is he you – know, I ate the old Michael Pineda. <laughs> but it's like, yes, he's kept growing. He's now – he, he he gets some downward playing. I think yeah. I think yeah. the Pineda is is a guy I'm be fascinated to watch because the the stuff is is excellent and again another guy with limited exposure above Double A and Triple A. Uh, I mean above but, above Double A. I, I was say. gonna say, but he did have he had like ten starts at Triple A last year. And you you'll hear at least you'll hear the argument from some people that when it comes to pitchers, Triple A doesn't do a whole lot for you. Well, because that, that's that's a great discussion uh, on the uh, accelerated timetable guy. The guy that's probably the rookie, prospective rookie who generated the most buzz this spring. I think JJ's been Manny Banuelos, right? Who we did not rank in our top twenty. We rank we put him in the accelerated timetable category, and I think we all knew with the Yankees back of the rotation being possibly Ivan Nova, who did who's looking great yeah. this, this spring. He's looked great, and you know. Uh, the Yankees had so many pitching prospects this offseason, it was difficult to rank them all. And I guess I ranked – I did their top 10 – or top 30, really, like in October. So at that time, I put Patances, then Benuelos, then Brackman. I think my next guy was Hector Noesi out of all their pitchers. And then Nova, and then, then Warren. Yeah, I think it was Warren, then Nova, actually. Because I was – the, the word Phelps, I heard at that time was that Nova was that they liked Nova better in the bullpen. That they, yes, he can start for them. He profiled better term, in the bullpen. He profiles right, him. and that was before, well. Let's and let's that be clear. And, and that that be, was pre Cliff Lee. No, I'm not right, coming to exactly. New York. That's what, I think the that assumption was, was they were going to get Cliff Lee, and that if they didn't get Cliff Lee, they trade for someone else. Whether it was Grinky, right? I know it was, was a limited Grinke, pool after Yankee, what, whoever. But right. the idea was is that well, we're going to have four, and you know, hey, they. Could have had Pettit back. I mean, right. There was, right. It could have very easily mapped out where there's not going to be a spot open in the rotation. In October, there really was, and and I, and and I will say, at the time, I really thought Noesi profiles much better as a fourth or fifth starter for them because he's more command oriented, whereas Nova is more of a power guy. But if Ivan Nova has had a great spring, Bartolo Colon's apparently thrown well, which is hilarious and awesome. Uh, Freddie Garcia, I mean, you know, was serviceable last year. He's a ghost of his former self in terms of stuff, but he's a crafty, serviceable veteran. Um, I still wonder where Benuelos will fit into that, but it certainly sounds like the Yankees. I talked to the Yankees official the other day, J.J., and he was spitting out numbers to me of other pitchers. Well, this guy only had this many innings above A-ball. This guy only had this many innings above A-ball. And I said, I just chuckled. I said, you're doing your research on this. He goes, we are catching up on our research on this, because you can tell they did not really want to consider right. many of Ben Wells, but he is forced the issue. where someone makes you – and here's the, the situation that for the Yankees now with this. He's had – in some ways, if you're the Yankees' front office, he's had almost a difficult spring training for you because yeah. he's been so good, 
and you've had such gushing, you know, Mariano Rivera saying that he's the best pitching prospect he's ever seen. Or and Terry Francona said, yeah, you better go really slow with this guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Here, try to help you out here. That's just, right, just, exactly. just want, I don't, Helping I, hand from the Red Sox manager. Here, I really, I'm really just trying to give you some honest and good <laughs> advice right. here. That's just my evaluator coming out. You know, but, um, but that being said, the problem with that is, is that when they do throw, let's because let's just say for now that Benuelos does not break camp with the, with the Yankees, which I think is still I think a, it's a safe assumption. Still safe assumption. Every time that you have Ivan Nova or Freddie Garcia or Bartolo Colon go out there and they don't pitch well, you're going to have that little reminder yep. keeping coming from everyone going, well, yep. the guy that has the best stuff is not it's here. Not here exactly. And the real problem you have with that is, is that. The Yankees have been as I would not strict is not the right word, but as adamant about their bumping about guys it. up innings wise, they step really, by step. They as really anyone. are doc, they they are dogmatic about it. They do not believe in really pushing guys in, in pitch inning uh, limits, their innings exposure. Whether it was Phil Hughes or Jabba Chamberlain, these are all guys they invest a lot of money in, more money than they invested in Manny Benuelos. So guys, and frankly. You know, Chamberlain was better, more hyped than Manny Benuelos, and it wasn't hype. We saw how good he was he in was, the big leagues, yeah. and he was outstanding in his first minor league season. I mean, he has three three or four-plus pitches. I mean, his fastball, curveball, and slider were all dirty in double-A. But, obviously, he has not lived up to expectations well, obviously for his several stuff weeks. is not the – he Makeup, got hurt, and his stuff injury, is not is what it was. it's not the same. That's right. Um, I expect that we're going to see Benuelos in the big leagues at some time. This year, but I think it's going to be late in the year. I think he's going to be on a tight leash. He's never thrown more than 110 innings in a minor league season. I think I, I think I wrote in the handbook something about how he's never pitched more than six innings in a game. Uh, you, they're going to want him to do that in the minor leagues before he does that in the major leagues. That said, a it's easy to say, and we did it. We redid it for the top 100. Benuelo is ranked ahead of Batances or Brackman uh, in that. I think he even ranked ahead of Gary Sanchez in our rankings. And the Yankees have another fascinating rookie, obviously, J.J. And, and Jesus Montero we've barely even touched on. Right, and Montero is going to get an opportunity, whether it's the start of the season or a little bit later, just because if you look at the, the Yankees, it's hard to envision a scenario where where they don't need him at, at some point this year. Yeah, especially with Frank uh, Francisco Cervelli being hurt here in spring that training. Was the big, that's the, been the big opening. And Russell Martin is certainly not uh, – You're not going to tell Russell. You can't count on him. You can't say, hey, okay, we're going to c- catch him – Ten days in a row. That's it. You, know, you you just can't count on them. So, you know, right now they have, you know, the only catchers they have on their big league roster uh, with with Cervelli injured are Russ Martin and Jorge Posada. They told Jorge Posada to be a DH this offseason. They don't want to catch Jorge Posada. That means that we're, I think we're going to see a lot of Jesus Montero well, behind the plate. We're really going to chance to see just how good of a receiver and catch and throw guy is he and how exposed is he going to get at the big league level. I think the answer is going to be quite a bit. I, 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 I also wonder – if he's getting exposed defensively, J.J., will that affect his offense? I suspect that it will. Yeah, I mean, Matt Wieters was as good of a hitter in the minor leagues as Jesus Montero has been, and he hasn't hit in the big leagues yet. Uh, do you expect Montero well, to but, outperform yeah, but, yeah, but, uh, but if you go by that argument, Matt Wieters was a better receiver coming up and hit everything that Buster Posey did, and Buster Posey, who – Right. If we were talking at this time last year, there were questions about Buster Posey's receiving. True. Very ended true. Ended up not being a problem. Very true. So, and his the stuff he had to handle was as good as stuff as anyone you're going to have to handle. Now, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it, even though I've railed against this mentality for years. But Matt Wieters is a lot bigger than Buster Posey. 
I, I am shocked. That I, I cannot believe lot, I'm hearing this. He is from, a lot bigger, and Jesus Montero is a lot bigger than Buster Posey, I, even though he's lost a lot of weight. Buster Posey's a normal-sized human. Well, he was, an, he was a middle infielder Mont- first. I mean, that, right. Uh, he was a shortstop but at, uh, and a pitcher. I'll say it again. Go back and read my 2005 draft write-up on Buster Posey as a pitcher. I loved Buster Posey. Terrible Tom Heinsohn impersonation. I apologize. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder if there's something to that. Uh, don't think the, I don't think the grind of the major leagues can be underestimated yeah, okay, so here. I'll, I'll play so counter we'll to that. But we'll definitely is, see is how Montero. That, 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 Joe Mauer, that Joe Mauer seems to have he's handled that okay. And, and I agree. he's pretty big. But he's also, I think, a much better athlete than Weeders or oh. especially Montero. Joe Mauer is one of the best athletes in baseball right no now. No doubt. I mean, that, Joe Mauer, the separator. again, there's – you very rarely say this about a catcher. Joe Maurer was someone who was an elite athlete right. prospect. Right, for, who happens to catch. Who happens to catch. And I think that's Usually thing, for catcher, that's not the case. And I think that's what's always been, and I'm guilty of it. Uh, I've talked to, talked to scouting directors about it. during the, When I was doing draft report cards, I was asking scouting directors about the World Series at the time. They were going on, the playoffs were going on concurrently with draft report cards. And I asked four or five scouting directors about Posey, and that's what they all said. He's a better athlete than we all thought. We underestimated him because the body's maybe not elite body, but he's an elite athlete. He's a tremendous athlete, tremendous baseball athlete. But, and that, that baseball savvy and better than expected athleticism is what's allowed him to make such great adjustments. And, and let's just go on the digression on that. Because yeah. we hear about this a lot. And this is one of those, this is why scouts, you know, have to work hard at what they do and why baseball is a difficult game to scout. Because right. – Scouts always want to bring in athletes. And the toughest part of this is is that we could all think of 20 guys off the top of our head who were great athletes who in, who did not end up being great baseball players. Right, Reggie Abercrombie, I'm looking at you. You know, that's, yeah, Reggie Abercrombie, tools-wise, was... Ruben Rivera. I mean, yeah, you can, you know... Go back to some of our bad prospect lists. Joe Borchard. Yeah, that's another one. I mean, we've had a lot of good prospect lists, and the the, the prospect busts are almost always athletes who couldn't translate the athletes. Ruben Mateo, he did get hurt. But yeah, you know, we, can just go, we can just go through. The, That's know, it. We can just do guy after guy like this. And the tough part of that is is that athleticism is one of the determining factors about whether a guy is going to make adjustments. However, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to be able to make adjustments. Right. Like, That's right. Because it's the toughest. It's a, it's the paradox. Almost. That's a great way to put it. Because like when you talk about let's you know even when you talk about pitchers, when you say a guy's stiff, well really one of the translations of that is is that he's never going to be as fluid. But the bigger part of that is is almost the subtext of that is when he gets off. Right. He's going to have trouble getting back on. Just talking about Trevor Bauer with a with a pitching coach just uh, today. And that's one of those things this guy loves the most about Trevor Bauer. He throws so much, and he is such a good athlete, that he has unbelievable feel and ability to make adjustments. And, you know, he was comparing him with Garrett Cole. He thinks Garrett Cole's not as fluid, not as – he wouldn't say stiff, but, but not as – like if plan A doesn't work, well, plan A is pretty damn good for Garrett Cole. But if plan A doesn't work, he's not sure what plan B is, whereas Cole uh, – you know, Bauer has eight pitches. Right. So he's Although, got eight plans. I was going to say, he may have eight plans. Garrett Cole's plan A is Pretty throw the ball by you. And throw. And plan B is here's the 70 curveball right. so and, and this improved changeup too. Yeah, I don't, I'm not worried about Garrett Cole, but, but they're a fascinating contrast. But 
when I said this, and then it makes me think back to a conversation I remember a couple of years ago having with uh, with Smokey Garrett, the hitting coach for the Louisville Bats AAA mm-hmm. club. And this is, I guess, the year after. This is, I think, late in the year after after Bruce had gone up. So a year after Votto had been there. Okay. And him just talking about, he said, Jay Bruce could wake up, walk out there, miss BP, and he'd be his swing would be perfect right. because. Jay Bruce is that kind of athlete, that kind of, you know, that low maintenance, no problems. And he said, no, Jay Bruce works hard. Right. But Jay Bruce has that. And he said, contrast that to Joey Votto. Joey Votto has to work at his swing every day. If Joey Votto misses, you know, misses a week, when he comes back, there's going to be 100, 200, 300 swings there getting him back into that groove. Hmm. The thing about it is, is that just as a reminder that, you know that there are other things to go with this. You yeah, know, Jay Bruce is the guy who's Jay Bruce is the guy who's still having to make those really. adjustments. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's shown signs of it, and he's much younger than. He had Votto. a great year last year. But, I mean, but but Joey Votto is the NL MVP, right? So it's not like that. We're saying, oh, if you have to, you know, if you're a little stiff, or if you have to really maintain your swing or anything right. like that, that you can't do that because. That's a great example of a guy who that does. That was a good digression. I liked our little uh, athleticism digression. Uh, you, you know, you, you do the Reds are one of the organizations you do. The Royals are obviously the other one, JJ. Um, we'll talk about that story next issue. Yeah, that, but we that only was, had one Royal. We only had one Royal on our top 20 rookies. And Mike Moustakas, he's already been sent down. How many Royals do you expect out of our top 10 prospects, say, or your top 30? How many of those guys do you think will be in the big leagues by September? Okay, well, Tim Collins, Jeremy Jeffers, I think will start the season there. Okay. So that's two. And Collins having a great spring. Collins having a, a really good spring. And those two guys were expected to be in the bullpen. A five foot seven feather and uh, J.P. Ricciardi's cap for signing him as a non-drafted, non-drafted free agent. free agent. But so those are two. Um, Moustakis is going to be up at some point this year. I think that's, One a, would imagine. that's a safe bet. I would guess that Hosmer is going to be up at some point this year. Now, you could see the argument if I, – the story we have coming up, and J.J. Piccolo said this elsewhere too, but uh, assistant GM for the, the Royals, the guy mm-hmm. who's really kind of the the overseer of – he kind of blends. He's the overseer of the scouting department and the farm right. system. But he made the point, he said, the first three months of this season are going to be as important for us as any of that he can remember. Not necessarily – and when we're talking about that, it's not that the the big league Royals need to get out to right. a fast start because Watch I don't think anyone expects chasers. this. But it's the storm chasers. It's the, uh, the naturals. The naturals. It's it's the double A. It's the triple A clubs. The women, but really, especially double A. Low A team. A, and now they're the Kane County Cougars. From that's right. I think it is right. So they they have some of the worst nicknames in the minor leagues. The Blue Rocks, the Naturals, at least the Natural State, Arkansas, kind of get that one. But and the storm chasers. No, thank you. But the the point is making though is just that the timetables are in large part going to be set by if Eric Hosmer. And you know, I, I don't think it's been set in stone whether you know whether he's going to start in Double A or Triple A. Right. Say Eric Hosmer sent back to Double A, was there for half season last year. Let's just say for a second that he is, and he destroyed. He has a Mike Mustakas first month right. without the right. injury that Mustakas had last year. So you move him up to Triple A. Well, if he does what what Mustakas did in the Eric Hosmer version in Triple A, you're not going to not call him up at some point. Right. Even though the problem they're going to have at some point is is that Log when you, jam at first. When you call him up, you have you already have Keila Kahui who we'll see this should, this will be the year we see with Keila Kahui and you got Billy Butler who is their best offensive player at the big league level. Right. So, but so let's say Hosmer and then going beyond that, um 
at some point you're going to see Lorenzo Cain's not technically a rookie, but right. doesn't look like he's going to start the season up there. Cain will be up at some point. I would I would imagine if Jared Dyson does anything at AAA, Dyson will be up because who are they starting as their big league center fielder if it's not Lorenzo Cain? Melky Carrera. Oh God, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. Here's the funny part though. <laughs> at AAA though, so here's what they have at AAA. Are they going to start Melky and Francoeur? Oh my goodness. Melky, Francoeur, and Gordon. That would look like your Alex Gordon looks like having a decent spring. Yeah, but so at AAA though, they're going to have Jared Dyson. And Lorenzo Kane and probably Derek Robinson. It's that, like it's like Bizarro Angels, three center fielders. But that is that would I can safely say that that that's a that's an outfield there. If they somehow did go them, you know, across the outfield, that's an outfield that could step off of the the field. And if there was a track right next to it, they just pick up any random scrub, and they That's would be right. like one of the fastest four by one hundred relay teams in the country. Probably our first track reference ever at Baseball America on the podcast. I'm not sure there have been too many other tracks. Uh, the the Royals have field references, yeah, but, but not many track. But um, but I I would say though realistically about you're going to see probably about four or five of those guys this year. There's just not going to be a whole lot of reason to speed up many of these guys when 2012 is really the year that you start kind of saying, okay, we're going to put out a prospect lineup right. and see what happens. Right. Um, Any, anybody else from our uh, from our uh, rookie list? That, I mean, our oldest Chapman's three. I don't know if we're going to ever have a reliever really be three, but he could also have 50, you know, 40 saves. I, you know, I was going to say, I think he's probably not going to. Um, I think he's going to be more of he'll throw – he'll probably – I do think he'll probably – we'll see a 106 at some point this year or something, right. and people will you know, go – If he stays healthy, that's the one thing I worry about with somebody throwing that hard. Um, but we, and then I guess I say, I'll, I'll say looking at this this list, um, the guy who I probably again the one other guy I'd say number thirteen is Desmond Jennings. I'll throw out the you know the one other kind of slight digression. Desmond Jennings already has been sent down to AAA. He's he's a two time member of our top twenty rookies. He could be a three time member. He was number four last year, let, thirteen this year. Okay, is this the point where you start to get a little concerned? I know that hey, if you're the Rays. They've had he's a center fielder ideally, and they have a, a good one that's there. But you start to get a little concerned that we're really coming into it's a a year later, and I don't think you can say any part of Devin Jennings' game. You say, okay, well clearly he's a step further than he was at this time last year. Yeah, I think it's fair to start worrying a little bit about Desmond Jennings. Um, you know, he did not drive the ball consistently last year. And their spring, their spring training stats, they really don't matter. But no extra base hits this year in 26 at-bats. And, uh, you know, part of the reason he was sent down is you want to play every day in AAA. He didn't tear up AAA last year. He didn't slug 400. And, and when they signed, He had a hand and wrist injury last year. That's right. part of it. And when they that. signed Manny Ramirez, Johnny Damon, right, that, they essentially said, we're not handing you a job. That made it tough. The other, Their fourth outfielder, Sam Fold, is out of options. That makes it tough. They want to oh. check out Sam Fold. Make Obviously, sure you may want to check you, you check him out, but at the same time, I, I, I feel not, not comfortable saying if Desmond Jennings had come in and had amazing spring, you would you would roll the dice on the Sam Fold option. I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, I, you know, I'm a big Sam Fold fan, but uh, I never thought he was a great prospect. But yeah, they also have Matt Joyce out of options, out of options. and they also have Ben Zobras who can play first, second, a little bit of short if you need him to, <laughs> and both outfield corners. So opportunity for Jennings was not obvious, which is one of the reasons I think why he was only 13 this year. But, I, you know, 
I am starting to be concerned. He needs to start. He needs to show he could drive the ball against top level pitching. He hasn't done that. Double A is good. It's not as good as Triple A. It's not as good as the big leagues, obviously. And he's not driving the ball against better pitching. I I, I think he's someone who you really want to see. He's going to talk about like the importance. Twenty five already. Right. You, the importance of having a good like. Okay, he's sent back down to Triple A, but let's see what he does the first month or two because that really could map not his career, but that could map the the pretty severely map the the short term future one way or another. Like if he has a so. really good April, really good May then he's earning a right that, okay, we've got to figure out a way to get him up here. They might, they might make room for him more readily. It's 24, whereas, whereas if he has the same April, May that he had, and again, there was an injury last right. year, but if he has a similar one to the start he got off to last year, and you said you, I mean, that. Start having some warning signs, I think. That, that's, that's, a, that's a worry. I, I think so. And, uh, he's going to be fascinating to watch. The other uh, X factor in there, of course, is BJ Upton could be traded. You know, uh, th- well, he, if 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 things go south for the Rays, and if things don't go south for the Rays, if they're off to a good start. Part of the reason will be Jacob McGee, who's on the same team and is a reliever, but looks like he's going to get some save opportunities. I, I, I'll go out and say it. I don't think the Rays are going to be nearly as bad as a lot of people seem to think they're going to be this yeah, year. Yeah, I, th- I like their chances. I like the Damon and Ramirez signing. They're low them, cost. Actually. I mean that. There's the great thing for them on those is if they don't work out, they can fix yeah, they that. Can cut bait, yep. But it's not a, a high, you know, it's not high expense. But if it does work out, then I think the, I think the Rays are going to have to get a lot of offense more than they got last year out of guys like Reed Brignac. They need Zobris to have Zobris more like the 2009. Somewhere between 09 and 2010 right. would be nice. Sean Rodriguez. They need power from and and then the other key to that to me is Upton. They need good BJ Upton, not sulky BJ Upton. Not, and I I think he's. Uh, the 2008 but, year looks like the fluke, you know. The, the thing I'll say with them is that I think the pitching is going to keep them in games. Now, it's going to be no difficult. Doubt. I think it It's going to be difficult in the division they're in with, you know, to say, okay, pitching can keep you in games because they're going to face a lot of good pitchers in that division too. Right. But the pitching will keep them in games, and the team we're seeing right now does not necessarily mean it's going to be the team we see in July because they clearly have pro- – if you have – prospect arms you can get some that's that's a very good currency right. come trade time and they have a ton of them they definitely do i want to just throw this out before we wrap up the podcast this is classic mlb jj it's friday at four plus o'clock and here it gets here we get our release on five let me guess there's some th- there's some suspensions five players suspended can you guess what uh, league they played in last year the dominican summer league you're correct that's a podcast that's another podcast we'll have ben battler on that to uh, we'll have to have part part two of the uh, international podcast might have to be that part of the podcast. I'm not sure if that's one that uh, we want to talk about, but uh, some uh, that 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 won't be as interesting or fun. I was gonna say I it'll don't be know. interesting. It won't be fun. Yeah. So uh, great, 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 great show. I enjoyed it. Lots of fun, uh, fun talking rookies. And, and I do uh, think next week we'll probably be talking. Uh, at some point we'll talk. If you haven't got enough Royals talk already, that's right. That's right. We, we have a, a big feature in the. Uh, and the issue that we just finished. You so. have a big feature, so it's, uh, I think you did most of the work there, and that's uh, and and, and fine work there as well. Uh, thoroughly researched, look into. Okay, you have all these prospects. Now, what do you do? Uh, which is the best part of the story. So, until then, for JJ Cooper, I'm John Manuel. Tune back in Monday for the college podcast, and we'll see you next week on the regular Baseball America podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. Swimsuit check. Sunscreen check. Phone charger check. 
Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.